barbecue back there, and you didn't invite me. Hurt my feelings. Welcome to Destination Devi's first injury pod episode. My name is Jeff Mueller, doctor of physical therapy, and I'll be walking you through what to expect when it comes to injuries throughout the season. First order of business, if you aren't already subscribed to the Destination Devi Patreon, go sign up at patreon.com slash allgas. We have a ton of amazing content that will be posted throughout the season. Uh, for injuries, keep an eye on the Player Injuries channel in the Patreon Discord and follow me at jmthrivept. I'll be posting quick updates in there regularly. Okay, we have a lot of players to discuss as we enter week one of the NFL season. I hope to give you some insight of what to expect early on from these injured or recovering players. So let's dive in. Much talk has been made about J.K. Dobbins, the the oh-so-sensitive one on social media when he sees something he doesn't like or critique. Man, does he... He jump on it. So we don't know. We're, we're still unsure for week one of the season. As we all know, he's coming back from the ACL, LCL recon. Um, you know, the LCL component of the reconstruction has been known to add up to four months of recovery time. It's, a, it's different than an MCL injury. MCL injuries typically heal well because they have a very large blood supply, but he Word is, there's nothing confirming this, but word is he actually had the LCL fully reconstructed. So that's likely why he's struggling, likely why, honestly, if, if looking at videos of him in camp, he, he kind of looks like a shell of himself. He doesn't look as explosive, even though John Harbaugh has been saying he's getting his explosiveness back. He just doesn't look like himself. So um, I've, I've been saying for quite some time, I, I do think he is active week one. Although I understand there's an increased risk that uh, they may actually hold them out week one, maybe even week two. But even if he is active week one, I, I don't think you can start him for fantasy. I think you have to wait on Dobbins to see his production increase over these first four, five, six weeks and let him get into a good rhythm. Um, you know, this team brought in Kenyon Drake, they have Mike Davis. Um, it, it, it's likely going to be kind of a messy committee. Before the Kenyon Drake signing, I, I actually I had anticipated Gus Edwards being placed on PUP. Um, he's going to miss at least four weeks, if not longer. And I still had a full season, full season production projection of around 11.6 fantasy points per game, which would put J.K. Dobbins somewhere between running back 26 and 32 on the season. Now, I think a lot of that will be affected by his early season play. I, I honestly think you can expect somewhere between five to seven points from him for the first five, six weeks or so. Uh, obviously different if he gets a touchdown. If he's even used in those goal line situations where he's going to be receiving a lot of contact, where he's going to be ha having to churn his feet and push through a lot of defenders, um, you know, there's just a lot of risk of re-injury there for his knee. So I think around mid-season to end of the year, he could be closer to his normal production. Uh, we could be seeing some normal movement patterns from J.K. Dobbins, his, explo his explosiveness, his acceleration returning. But I don't think that you would want to start J.K. Dobbins probably for the first half of the season. T. Higgins, as we know, he had surgery this offseason to repair a labral tear in his shoulder. 
Uh, I haven't seen anything involving rotator cuff, but either way, he's had plenty of time, I I believe, from his surgery date to week one, if I have the dates correct, it's roughly six months, which has given him plenty of time. He's been a full go in practice. He hasn't, as far as we know, hasn't had any re-injuries in camp. Um, He's had no problems. You know, we've seen videos of him reaching up high, high pointing a ball, catching it, no problem. Uh, No reported issues with drops. So I think there's low, we, we know there's low re-injury risk with these injuries uh, and surgeries coming off the labral repair in his shoulder. I think there's low concern for his season. Najee Harris has been another common one. Uh, a lot of people are panicking. You know, it's, it's easy to see the term Liz Frank and panic, especially when it comes to running backs. I think what's important here is, one, we know it's, it's a low-grade sprain. His injury was on August 1st. It did occur when he was stepped on, but the, the injury, um, you know, he, he likely was stepped on and it caused a sprain of that midfoot, uh, most likely due to where the, where the impact occurred. Um, I, I think, you know, from August 1st to, I want to say his, he played August 29th, that's four weeks. So the Steelers staff would not have let him play you know, the second point here, we need to use our heads when, when we think of these injuries or look at these injuries. The staff, if they were concerned, they would have kept him out. They, they, would have, they wouldn't have put him in in a, in a meaningless third game of the preseason for that many snaps. You know, he, you look at his overall touches, he didn't touch the ball very much, but he was playing nearly all of the snaps. He was looking explosive. He was cutting off of his left foot. He was he had no problem hitting, hitting the edge on the left side. He hurtled off of his left foot, no problems. Um, you know, one I can't remember who it is, but they they mentioned when Najee would get up after those plays, it looked like he would favor his whole body. You know, and I when I was watching, I didn't see anything where he's favoring the left foot, uh, no limping. I think another, you know, the third important piece of this is we never heard of him being in a boot. He was always around. He was, he was always seen by media. None of them ever said Najee Harris is in a boot in his left foot. So I think the most important factor here is, okay, he had a Liz Frank sprain. Calm. Stay calm. You know, don't panic when you hear that. Obviously, it's, it's, you can panic if there's someone in a boot or like a Travis Etienne situation. He was placed in a boot right away. And then we heard he got the MRI, significant injury, wound up having surgery. We didn't hear that with Najee Harris. And we actually saw it with our own eyes. He looked explosive, right? So don't look at the stat line. If you look at the stat line, it doesn't look like he played very well. He was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage and had no problem powering through two, three defenders, breaking tackles. He looked explosive. So I think there's little concern Keep an eye on it, obviously, over these first couple weeks of the season, but I do think there's a little concern as we move into the season on this injury. James Robinson, word is, so uh, as we know, he had the Achilles injury rupture uh, December 26th, so I, I believe that timeline puts him right around a little over eight months for return to the season. We already know he's returned to camp. He's been playing in uh, team drills. He He's been in contact. There's no problems there. There's been no report of re-injury or soft tissue injuries. I think with James Robinson, the main concern would be soft tissue injuries as he returns to the season. So keep an eye on that. 
for re-injury purposes outside of soft tissue injuries, I do believe he has low concern for re-injury, but high concern for lack of efficiency in his touches. And I, I think that makes him very volume dependent when it comes to fantasy, right? So he he's Doug Peterson has said he views James Robinson as a starting running back, running back one. What does that actually mean? We don't know. We won't know until we see his role play out. But I, I, I don't believe you can start James Robinson for the first probably quarter of the season and just see how he performs, see, see what his actual role is. In fantasy, we want the high-value touches, right, especially when it comes to running backs. So if you're looking at James Robinson versus Travis Etienne, I think the main question most people ask is, well, considering cost, who will pay off the most? And yeah, James Robinson is cheaper, but that doesn't mean his, his efficiency will allow for, for large amounts of production off of this injury, especially in year one. Look at, look at what we saw with Cam Akers. Yes, with Cam Akers, that was five months, uh, five and a half months return after the injury. But you saw the lack of efficiency. So I think you have to keep that in mind. With high-value touches, we should want Travis Etienne in this backfield. But if you have James Robinson, I, I would probably hold off on playing him even as a flex play for the first quarter of the season just to see. Jalen Waddell, Mike McDaniel has already said that he has low concern on Jalen Waddell playing. It is, uh, I believe in quotes, you can, say, you can hear him saying, uh, it is very, very likely Jalen Waddell plays in week one. So even though he hasn't been practicing, that tells me he's been doing a lot uh, either on the rehab side or behind the scenes that we haven't seen. We know there's some re-injury risk when it comes to hamstring strains. Actually, it's it is suspected a hamstring strain. It hasn't been confirmed. His injury is still undisclosed. Um, they haven't marked it yet. So just keep a close eye on that. But I, I do believe there's low concern if you were to play a Jalen Waddle for week one. Michael Thomas is one that I, I believe he's in somewhat of a similar boat as Jalen Waddle, except we know he does have the hamstring strain. A little, a little more risk here, though, because we know Michael Thomas is coming off of the significant ankle injury that has cost him tremendous amount of time. Um, you know, it, I think with Michael Thomas, you have to look at his injury timeline from November of 2021 when he had the other surgery to essentially fix what wasn't fully repaired back in June in 2021. So his timeline makes sense, but the biggest concern with Michael Thomas was how does his body hold up as he ramps up his workload, especially practice reps, game reps, all of that. And the biggest concern was soft tissue injury. So we don't love seeing that he already has a hamstring strain. I think, you know, the, the way I'm playing it is if I have Michael Thomas on my teams, I would love to see him be a full go in practice without any limitations, without any re-injury uh, notifications. We'll, we'll probably hear if there's any issues as he, as he ramps up this last week before the season. Um, if there's any concern on him for, for playing. So as of right now, if you see that, if Michael Thomas is a full go in practice and uh, you know the team announces Michael Thomas is playing week one, I think you can start him then. Chris Godwin, I, I do believe, you know, it's, as we know, Chris Godwin's coming off the ACL and MCL repair uh, 
reports have shown that the MCL was repaired. It wasn't just healed in prehab. So we have to be concerned on Chris Godwin, especially for early season production. We already know there's likely going to be a production dip for most of the season. Um, I believe Adam Hutchinson, uh, another physical therapist, has stated around 15 to 20% early season uh, production dip. I think we have to watch him closely. I don't, I personally, if I have Chris Godwin on my team, I don't think we can play him for the first quarter to half of the year until we see him perform. Um, as of right now, I know he has been practicing, but he's actually still been practicing in a non-contact jersey. So he hasn't even absorbed contact. And one of the coaches, I believe it was the offensive coach for the Bucks, stated, um, you know, oh, it's fine. We, we don't necessarily need to see Chris Godwin in contact. There's no need for that in preseason and camp. But when it comes to returning from an injury, there's still a, a large mental component of, as you're a player returning from that injury, knowing that you can safely absorb contact, especially if someone's hitting you low towards the knee, that same knee that was injured, that you can absorb it without any concern. So I'll be really curious to watch him early season and just see how he responds to contact and see how he responds to in-game cutting and some of the some of the unpredictable movements that you can't really train for or prepare for in practice without contact. Like a, a defender coming in, having to make a quick adjustment that you don't necessarily get in a timed route or a a planned route where you already know where you're kind of going. So just watch for that and probably keep him on the bench for the first couple games. Miles Sanders, he, man, he has quite the history of soft tissue injuries. Um, I believe this is his third hamstring strain incident, not necessarily on the same side, but we know he's had four MCL injuries, multiple ankle injuries, ankle sprains. We, we have to watch this one closely I, I do think, you know, he plays plays the Lions. The Lions have a fair defense, I believe. Um, the questionable part is, even if Miles Sanders is a full go in practice this next week and cleared to, to play, one, we don't know how many reps he's going to get. I think that's the risky part. Two, I think there's another risky, risky play in re-injury risk coming off the hamstring strain. His strain was on August 14th. So week one places him, I believe, around three and a half to four weeks out from the injury. He missed two and a half weeks from uh, of practice. So we know it's at least a grade two strain. I think we have to watch this one closely. Um, I, I think I'm playing this similarly to Michael Thomas. If he's a full go this next week as teams ramp up for week one, I think you can play him as a flex play, uh, but not 100% confidently. Kenneth Walker, we know he had, uh, even though Pete Carroll doesn't doesn't like to give us specific details, can't stand Pete Carroll, but here we go, full season, let's go. Um, he, we know, had the inguinal, inguinal hernia. He had surgery for that. Re-injury risk is actually pretty low, although um, Adam Hutchinson, again, posted some information on a 12 to 15% production dip. We don't know what that looks like for Kenneth Walker since he's a rookie, but given Rashad Penny has been healthy, I do believe Pete Carroll will likely play Rashad Penny for most of the snaps, and if Kenneth Walker is active, which I think he does have a good chance of practicing, ramping up his practice reps this next week, 
uh, this last week before week one. I think I think we see him active and playing at least some snaps. But until we see that role and until we see how they're using Rashad Penny, who probably is the running back one for majority of the season, uh, compared to Kenneth Walker, I think we have to bench Kenneth Walker for probably the first quarter to half the season just to see how he plays off the off the hernia off the surgery and then also seeing his role plus this that that offense is just honestly going to be brutal a couple of cardinals injuries uh rondell moore he is dealing with an undisclosed injury suspected lower extremity soft tissue injury although uh rumor has it he is likely to be available or more likely available for week one um, than the next player I'm going to mention. But same same situation, same scenario. If Rondell Moore is a full go and practice this next week, which I think most of these players will wind up being, teams have held them out just as precaution is my guess. Um, but again, if you see Rondell Moore practicing in full and the team says, okay, Rondell Moore is good to go, I think you can play him as a flex play. Rumor has it the Cardinals are expected to play him in a larger role, uh, especially with the Christian Kirk um, absence. Christian Kirk left the team, I, I believe, from everything we've read um, from from posts, from beat writers, all of that, Rondell Moore is expected to have a larger role. And coming off this un- undisclosed, likely soft tissue injury, I do believe he can be played as a flex play. But again, if you have a better option who isn't injured, who has likely a similar role or you you have confidence in that player playing um, getting getting a good amount of volume play that player over Rondell Moore the the second player that I think we probably should bench um, it, it sounds like he his availability is honestly a, a uh, Cliff Kim, Kingsbury has specifically said this is a close call for him for week one is Zach Ertz. And we know he's dealing with a calf injury. He's actually missed, I believe, two and a half to three weeks of practice because of this calf injury. You, you don't mess around with calf strains. The, the calf absorbs a lot of the load and force off of the Achilles, right? So if you're if you're a player dealing with a calf strain and you go in and you you're overworked or that that tissue, especially pushing off, and and think of his role. You know, even if he blocks, he's He's pushing off line of scrimmage. He's trying to explode and absorb a lot of load through his low extremities as he's moving. You don't want to risk any Achilles injuries, um, especially especially given his role. I believe the main tight end behind him is Trey McBride. So the Cardinals likely aren't going to uh, place Zacherts in a risky position, especially if this is a close call, as Cliff Kingsbury has said. So I think we should strongly consider benching Zach Ertz for the first first week, which is tough because you know we were expecting a a large volume, especially with DeAndre Hopkins out for the first six weeks of the season. But we have to watch this one closely. So if you have a tight end who you can bank on, I know tight end is not necessarily deep, but if you have someone you can play over Zach Ertz confidently, I would lean that way. Drake London, he has uh, he's been dealing with a knee strain. Um, likely suspected bone bruise as well, but everything that I've seen has said it's low concern and mild, so I do expect him to play week one, and I, th- I think this is another player that the team, the Falcons, have been more on the on the cautious side with him, 
and not necessarily ramping up his workload too quickly just so he's ready for the season. So um, if you see he's active, I think he's a safe play, probably a flex play given he's a rookie and we don't know 100% what to expect out of the Falcons offense. Michael Gallup, man, I, this has been an interesting one. I know Jerry Jones has said, Michael Gallup, if it's the Super Bowl, he could be out there right now. Yeah, that's nice, Jerry, but we know he's about seven months out from the ACL tear, or not even the ACL injury, when he had surgery. Surgery was delayed for quite some time. So given the fact that you know they have CeeDee Lamb there, they have Dalton Schultz, I think Schultz will be a fantastic play for week one. But the, the Cowboys, a lot of people have been talking about Noah Brown. So with Noah Brown, if he's been playing consistently, I really don't think the Cowboys will risk putting Michael Gallup out there too quickly, especially since he hasn't absorbed any contact. He hasn't even been full go when it comes to running routes. And guys, we're we're a week away from the season. That is not going to change in one week. So, one, I'll be a little surprised if he's even active. But he's at, if he is active, I would keep him on your bench. And honestly, probably from a production standpoint, since we know, again, there's about 15% reduction in production, uh, coming off the, the ACL tears, um, especially in year one for the first part of the season, you probably can't play Michael Gallup safely or confidently until, you know, probably for the first five, six, seven weeks, first quarter to half of the season. Um, so just keep him on your bench for now and just see how he does. Uh, watch him, Watch him produce his first full game before you safely play him in fantasy. Irv Smith, he's coming off of the thumb fracture. Um, we, we actually don't know. It hasn't been confirmed if it was a UCL repair or a, or a fracture where it was pinned. So either way, we know, we know from information that has been released that he has actually been a full go in practice catching passes. He's been running routes already. You know, the, the thumb injury didn't prevent him from running in drills. He just wasn't catching He's been catching passes for the first for the last week. So I do expect him to be a full go for week one. And for for playing him for fantasy, again, tight end is pretty pretty weak, I would say. If he's a full go, I, I would play him. I think he's safe to play in fantasy for week one. These guys, I, I'll, I'll touch on them, but I don't, I don't know necessarily how much fantasy relevance these guys will have. Uh, Byron Pringle. And Vilas Jones, they're both dealing with soft tissue injuries. Uh, they've been practicing. They've been missing practice for the last two weeks, uh, three weeks for Pringle. I, I don't think you can start them. I don't know if 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 you were planning on starting them week one. I'll be praying for you. I think the only viable options in PPR uh, from this Chicago team, obviously Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. So I wouldn't even play Byron Pringle or Vilas Jones. Uh, probably ever. Jamison Williams, he has been placed on PUP as expected. The Lions are slow playing his return, which I think is very smart. He was um, he actually time frame wise pretty close to Michael Gallup, about seven months out. He's a guy who, you know, a lot of people are talking about him being a late season league winner or potential league winner. You know, he, he has the ability to come off of PUP after four weeks, and we saw him running routes. 
to me, he, he looks a little sloppy, sluggish. He's not, he wasn't dropping his hips very quickly. He's not exploding off of his leg very quickly. And you could tell he's still a little apprehensive. And again, that's one week prior to the season starting. I think he could use seven, eight weeks based on the movement that I've seen. Again, I'm not in the building. I'm not assessing him. The, the staff will make that determination. But when we're talking about fantasy, one, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes off of Pup closer to week seven, eight. I know a while back I even speculated that they wait until after Thanksgiving, after the Thanksgiving game, because that gives them that short week and then to return the week following after that. It just depends on how quickly, um, well, one, when they reassess, if he's cleared to go, if they think it's safe for him to run routes and absorb contact and be in game situations. But two, he's their young rookie. It really depends, I think, with the Lions. We have to consider what the record is, how quickly they want to expose their their new uh, shiny toy, you know, their rookie wide receiver, stud receiver. And, and they also still have Amon Ross St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, uh, DeAndre Swift should should absorb a ton of receptions, targets. And then DJ Chark has been playing really well. So it's not like they have to rush Jamison Williams back. And then, and then honestly, you know, we have to consider when he does come back, will he be fantasy relevant? How many receivers, how many, how many fantasy targets can Jared Goff produce and, and sustain? So we have to consider that. I, I think you have to keep Jamison Williams on your bench for quite some time. Robert Tanyan is a player that I am completely off of for this year. We know he had the ACL tear and MCL tear, and I saw a report that meniscus was also involved. You know, last year, well, in his first, in his in his big year in uh, 2020, we know he went off. I believe he had 176 points, 176.6 points, I believe, in fantasy um, that year in PPR. 37.4% of his points were off touchdowns. So guys, if you're if you're relying on Robert Tanyan, you're relying on touchdown production. And I know Devontae Adams is gone. The, the, the Packers will likely heavily rely on Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Alan Lazard, whoever else. You know, Dubes um, or Dobbs has been stepping up, I know, here in preseason. But Robert Tanyan, I know tight end is, is weak, but in your first year... Tight end production dips even more than wide receiver, more than 15%. And then you're talking about a guy who relies heavily on touchdowns for fantasy points. Last year, before his injury, Robert Tunyon had three total games out of eight games over three fantasy points. Three fantasy points. You can't, you can't win with that in your lineup. So if someone's willing to buy Robert Tunyon off of your roster, I think you should take it. I think if you if you have Robert Tanyan and you were relying on him, you need to find another tight end to rely on, rely on this year. One guy that um, you could consider pivoting to, although I think we may run into a similar situation very close to Robert Tanyan, this guy should get more targets and more production not relying on touchdowns, is Logan Thomas. But again, Logan Thomas is a guy who also had the ACL, MCL injuries, plus both meniscus involved. Um, we don't know if the meniscus were or the menisci were repaired versus debrided, um, but either way, that shouldn't that shouldn't change too much of his production. We know he was recently 
um, cleared to practice. He's been running a lot more routes. He's been catching passes from Carson Wentz, but not absorbing contact. And a recent report I saw said he's not even a sure thing to play week one. He may start the season on pup. But he may be a guy who, you know, his production may start increasing closer to midseason. So Logan Thomas might be a target. Uh, Zach Wilson, we know he had the meniscus tear. Uh, thankfully not ACL. Meniscus plus bone bruise. I know, I know early reports said two to four weeks. Realistically, it could be closer to the four to six week mark just because we know the bone bruise indicate the the bone bruise was a factor there. Um, they take a while to heal. Bone bruises just they don't heal very quickly. So his return will largely depend on on pain, full range. He probably has full range already, but pain and then his ability to uh, navigate the pocket, but also scramble. And you I can guarantee you the Jets aren't going to throw him out there. Um, I'm sure Zach Wilson, you know, Scott Connor uh, at Dynasty Leverage has said, he made a great point, Zach Wilson is probably going to try to rush himself out there because this is his prove-it year. If he doesn't prove it this year, the Jets have to consider that he's not the guy and have to consider that they need to find someone else. So he's probably going to going to probably push himself out there, but I, I don't see the Jets rushing him out there, especially with Joe Flacco being adequate. Who knows how the offense performs? They were terrible in that last preseason game with Flacco at the helm and most of the starters playing. I know most of the offensive line starters didn't play, but yeah, this, this Jets offense is going to be a little rough. So even if Zach Wilson is clear to play and returns quickly, I don't think you can rely on him in fantasy, even in Superflex leagues. I know you need that second quarterback in there, but just wait to see how Zach Wilson performs once he does return. And man, one guy I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about because this situation could have been much, much worse, and it's, it's a scary situation. Prayers up for him still in his recovery, but Brian Robinson, I know he, was, um, he suffered two gunshot wounds, one report said one, one bullet went through his knee, but no ligament damage occurred. Um, I, 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 I don't, I'm not sure. I don't, it's not like I want to just disagree with the report completely, but just thinking through how compact all the material is in the knee, the ACL, the PCL, MCL, LCL, both meniscus, capsule, all of it, there, there, there's just no way... I mean, that bullet must have pulled a wanted and just dodged and dipped around all of the important ligaments and tissue in the knee. Um, I'm a little skeptical there. I'm sure with the report saying it went through his knee, maybe it was proximal and just went through his quad, whatever. The way I'm looking at this, though, one, Brian Robinson was released from the hospital within a day. That is fantastic news. You know, we saw him... In that video, if you haven't seen the video, go check the Washington Commanders Twitter page. Um, you probably have to scroll back a couple of days, but or just search Brian Robinson and look at the videos tab. That that video is a tearjerker. It's great to see him, um, even on crutches, just smiling, all smiles and good mood uh, at the Commanders building. And all the coaches were talking to him. A couple players, I think, were talking to him. But we saw him on. Um, with both crutches, his knee was heavily wrapped, which I would expect. But just just the fact that 
he was released within one day tells me, okay, the tissue damage, any tissue damage suffered was not overly significant. He didn't have to be monitored. Um, you know, we know it's not non-life-threatening, which is fantastic news. If the tissue damage was worse, I would think he would stay in the hospital and be monitored for more time and also receive some inpatient or in-house physical therapy there just to relearn walking patterns. He didn't have to do that. Maybe, maybe they're passing it off to home health or the commander's staff, the training staff there. But it, that, to me, that's just really good news that he was able to be released that quickly uh, coming off of these, these gunshot wounds. So that tells me muscle damage was likely minimal or at least, you know, best case scenario. So I, I do think these reports are true, that there's a chance that, you know, he was placed on the non-football injury list. So it's it, that, that list functions similarly to PUP. So the rules changed recently. They have to miss a minimum of four games before returning. So they could, they could return to week five or week six if, if a team has a week five bye. Um, I do think these reports are, are accurate, that we may actually see him return week five, which, which is crazy to think about, you know? Um, yeah, just a, just an amazing situation coming out of what could have been a terrible situation. So when it comes to fantasy, I, I, I do think, you know, Brian Robinson is worth a stash. If you're in redraft leagues, at least put him on your IR list. Hopefully you can do that. Um, but once he does return, we probably have to see him produce and see how he performs. The, the part that I hate talking about, you know, but we have to consider is the mental component to that. That's a very traumatic uh, incident that occurred. So we, we don't know 100% how he's going to perform once he's on the field, when he's going to absorb contact, how he's going to, to move or react when defenders are coming in hard towards him, especially towards uh, that knee that was injured um, where, he, where he suffered the wound. But... Probably keep him on the bench for the first couple games until you see him produce and see how he plays. So, all right, that's that's it for for uh, this episode, guys. Week one is coming up. I wish you luck in setting lineups. If you have any questions, I'm sure there's going to be some injuries that pop up over this last week as teams prepare um, for week one. Go into the Destination Devi Discord, Discord there and look for the Player Injuries tab. I receive notifications on that channel specifically. Feel free to ask any injury questions on there, even if it's guys who are, who are on PUP or you're just not sure um, if you're looking to trade. Sometimes these are the best times to trade for an injured player when their value is the lowest. Some guys get antsy. You know, say someone has Jamison Williams on their dynasty roster and they are just, uh, they're eager for that, early season production and they're not getting it from Jamison Williams, you never know. You never know if they're willing to make a trade for some veteran who's who's overperforming what was expected uh, and they want that early season production. So it's never a bad time for a trade. Right now is probably the best time for a trade uh, if you're pursuing an injured player, at least if it's an injured player who you're anticipating or we have talked about likely has production increase by midseason that could be a league winner for you um, if you're acquiring for cheap. So keep an eye on that and then follow me at JMThrivePT. I'll be always posting injury updates on there. I love posting updates on, on game days, Thursdays, Sundays, 
Mondays, anytime I see an injury, I'll, I'll usually fire off a tweet just showing, hey, this is what I think it is. Um, all of that is my best educated guess. I'm not diagnosing anything there, but most likely, I'm, I'm just trying to give you the best information on the most likely injury that uh, occurred on that play. Uh, until we have at least further information from the actual staff and the actual team who is hands-on with that player assessing. So wish you guys luck and enjoy the season. That's it. Jeff Mueller hosting the brand new Destination Devi Injury Podcast. Make sure you follow Jeff on Twitter at JMThrivePT and make sure you tune in every Sunday morning where Jeff will break down the week of injuries, what to expect on game day to prepare you for your fantasy leagues, who to sit, who to start based off the injury news over the course of the week. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you for listening. Make sure to tune in next week. And again, every Sunday, Jeff will be breaking these down. It will drop in the morning on the Destination Devi radio podcast feed. Let's go.